A leaf blower whirs at a downtown Reno park. It's the middle of spring and a group of people are working. They're shoveling, scooping, and cleaning. Each is wearing a bright orange shirt. The shirts advertise Reno Works. It's the name of the program that is their reason for being at the park. The group are homeless individuals who are working their way off the streets. Pat Cashel is a recovering drug addict and formerly homeless himself. He oversees the city's homeless shelters and is working for solutions to homelessness. He explains Reno Works. I think it's about just giving people a second chance, sometimes a third and a fourth. I know that's what it took me, six or seven. <laughs> but, you know, something stuck finally, so maybe it'll stick with them. So, um, and so you, would, you would consider this a big success? I would. If, if I mean, one, I, I know we've you know got people off the street, so that's a success. But the awareness and the and the spotlight that it's shined on homelessness is astronomical. It's huge. You know, people need to know more about what homelessness is and the true effects of it. It's just not a bunch of lazy people that don't want to work. It's people that have gone through traumatic events in their life that, for one, some reason, have, have put them here on the streets arena. So a little bit of compassion would be nice. Welcome to the Solutions Podcast, where we examine complex problems and hope to find solutions for them. I am Bob Conrad. Cashel is one of the Reno Works champions. Another is Neoma Jardin, a council member on the Reno City Council. You know, when I got into politics, I spent 20 years in the private sector at a statewide law firm and did administration there. I like to call it, I babysat 50 lawyers for 20 years. So of course, naturally you go into politics, right? After that. Um, And I kind of felt like my role uh, at the city council is to have the outside perspective um, of someone who's run a business, been in a business, understands what it means to make a payroll uh, you know, get insurance and deal with the day-to-day grind that is small business. Um, and I also see and hear all the things on the street about what our community was saying. You know, what is the experience downtown? What are people saying about the, you know, the safety of the streets or the stability of the streets and and what is occurring there? And going into my city council job, it it is clear to me that by helping individuals and and being a champion of those that don't often have a voice, they're too busy trying to just live and breathe and get by day to day. Somebody needed to be their voice. Somebody needed to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not forgotten. You're not just somebody that you walk by and ignore. You are one of our community members and you deserve as much attention as everybody else does. And also from a perspective of, from a business standpoint, to try to get the business community and the stakeholders to say, wait a minute, by fundamentally getting down to the root issues of homelessness and getting in some long-term solutions, you're helping your bottom line as well. And getting people to understand that just shoving the issue around is just doing that. It's shoving the issue around. If you can get to housing, supportive programs, mental health issues, you can really transition the individuals out of the condition that they're in, and thereby you're improving the conditions for the businesses and the visitors in the downtown core as well. And and that conversation has come a long way. I have seen a shift. I have seen a shift of 
the just get them out of my face mentality into a, okay, how do we help them to really kind of solve this growing problem? Reno Works uh, came about uh, approximately two years ago, and it came through a simple conversation over coffee with Pat Cashel, who runs um, Volunteers of America who operate our homeless shelter. And it was a discussion about what could we be doing more or differently than what we're currently doing to help transition people from the shelter uh, into work and into supportive housing. And I asked Pat um, at that time if I was able to secure a little bit of money. Did he think he could launch a pilot program, a work program, uh, with the individuals at Reno Work uh, at the shelter? And he said yes. He didn't hesitate, and he said yes. Um, so over the few months following that, we worked out all the details on how the program would potentially work. And um, what it is is it's a ten-week program. We take between ten and twelve individuals at a time into the program. And they do, during their normal week, three days out of the week, they're cleaning the parks, they're cleaning up along the river, they're painting public facilities, they're doing things to beautify our city um, through our public works department. The other two days out of the week, they're in life skills training. They're learning budgeting, they're learning resume writing, uh, they're learning financing, they're learning all the things that you need to do uh, in regular life to be successful. And then at the end of that 10-week program, we have a graduation for them. They get an OSHA certification. They've learned some skills along the way, and they have uh, obtained employment. In addition, we have, during that 10-week period, helped to secure them supportive housing. So the Reno Works program, in just a very short period of time, in um, just two years' time, we have graduated seven classes through Reno Works, and we have taken 46 individuals uh, off the street, out of the shelter, into jobs, and into supportive housing. The program relies on private donations. This budget cycle, we uh, did not use any taxpayer money for this budget cycle. We are relying completely on private funding. Um, that private funding is starting to get a little slim now, so we'll have to go back out and, and do some more fundraising for it. But the community has really embraced the program. First off, they get interviewed to come into the program. As you can imagine, there are many individuals at our homeless shelters that have deep underlying issues that m prevent them from really being able to get employment uh, right away. There could be mental health issues, addiction issues, and those need to be treated first. We want them to be successful. So there is an interview process for those that are ready for work and those that are willing and eager to get into a work environment. So they come into the program and they, you know, they work. They are shoveling um, bark at the parks, uh, they're pulling weeds, they're painting, and they take immense pride in a hard day's work and they earn a paycheck. They get paid $10 an hour for their work and they're learning some skills along the way. They're learning teamwork, they're learning, learning responsibility. You have to show up, you have to be responsible, you have to work, and you have to work the program. And if you don't, you don't get to stay in the program. And there's a reward at the end. You know, the reward is that we're going to help you with some supportive housing and we're going to help you find full-time employment. And it's been a very successful program um, and one that I'm hoping that will continue for many years to come. Upon successful completion of Reno Works, a graduation is held. One graduate tells her story. Barbara Ellman, a past graduate of the Reno Works program, would like to say a few words. Hi, um, my name is Barbara Alamon, and uh, I'm a graduate of Reno Works. I'm nervous. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this is actually a huge accomplishment for me because I came to Reno 
not knowing anybody, a single mother of four. Um, basically, I never graduated. I never finished anything I started. But with the help of Rena Works and the VOA, I finished it. I graduated, and I'm a completely different person. I depend on myself. I I just I appreciate everything that I got from the Rena Works and from the VOA. I learned a lot of things, like I'm sure you guys did, a lot of job skills. Um, one was pulling weeds. I don't think I ever want to do that again. <laughs> um, and I mean, most of all, I learned there's, just because you're homeless, it doesn't mean that you're helpless. You can, if you're willing to put in the work, you, you'll get that help. I mean, if it wasn't for Darren, my old boss, and pushing me to do it, and Christina, and, and Diane, and everybody, Sandy, everybody from the VOA, I mean, I want to thank you guys a lot. I mean, I've learned that at the end of, at the end of your guys' journey, you're a new person with a new start and a new life that you guys created yourself. You got a little bit of help, but you guys did this yourself. I mean, you guys wanted to change and you did it. And congratulations, because nobody could have done this but you guys. Jarden is also leading a new effort to build numerous tiny homes, a temporary housing solution considered safer than sleeping along the river that flows through Reno. You know, we went up to Seattle. Um, Pat Cashel and Sharon Chamberlain with Northern Nevada Hopes had, had been saying for some time, you need to come up and check out these tiny home villages. Um, I will say on the record that I'm not a fan of tent cities, and I never will be. Um, I don't think they're appropriate. I don't think they're sanitary. They're not warm. Uh, and so I had in my mind maybe going up there, what, what was this really? What is this tiny home thing? What What is this? But uh, went up there, there was a big contingent of people from the city of Reno and Washoe County and Northern Nevada Hopes and VOA. And we all went up there and we toured um, a, a couple of these villages. And there was, uh, we started with one in a um, an industrial area. And they had approximately, um, I think it was 50 tiny homes in about a one acre parcel in an industrial area. And when I say tiny, let me clarify what tiny is. Tiny is about 120 square feet. It is a large closet with a door. And that may not sound like much to many people, but for those that are living under a bridge or along the river, um, it, it's a roof and it's a door and it means some security. What appealed to me about the tiny home project up in Seattle that we toured was it was incredibly well organized. It was very secure. It was very clean and the outcomes were better because as you can imagine, trying to triage and treat somebody when one day they're along the river and then the next day you don't know where they are, it's tough to get somebody into a system of support and maybe help them out when you when you can't find them. Um, and the tiny homes uh, appealed to me because one, uh, inexpensive to construct. They're about $2,500 in materials each. They're built by volunteers. Um, you know, people donate money to help with the minimal infrastructure on the property. There's uh, the only thing, only amenities in the 120 square foot, you know, tiny home is an electrical outlet. Mm. There is no plumbing. There is no kitchen. There is nothing like that. And that's for cost reasons, obviously. But then there's a centralized bathroom, shower, and and kind of kitchen common area so that people can, you know, shower and have some food and 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 and. Uh, have bathrooms all in one location. 
And I saw at this facility that it was um, being successful. And the calls for service in the surrounding neighborhoods, because everybody does have that mentality. You put it in my neighborhood and the neighborhood's going to go to hell. Right. The calls for service went down. <laughs> the neighborhood conditions improved. The neighbors embraced it and loved it. And the individuals that stay in the temporary tiny homes, and by temporary in, in Seattle, they stayed maybe 18 months max. Um, they helped to secure their own tiny home village. They did two-hour shifts. That was part of their responsibility for getting that tiny home. There, It was near transit, so there was a bus nearby so they could catch the bus to go to work or seek a job or go to uh, maybe counseling or something they may need to go to the doctor. And it was very, very clean. There was structure and case managers came on property. So we came out of that going, you know what? Our community will embrace this. This doesn't cost a lot to do. You can put a village together in 90 days uh, and you can help, you know, pull people off the street uh, in a short amount of time, give them some stability. So it really appealed to me. Um, and I was impressed by what they're doing up in Seattle. What's the likelihood that we can do that in Reno? Well, I am an eternal optimist and I have said it all along. I would give it 90%. And there have been um, – the council, you know, embraced it with a unanimous vote to move forward. I think everybody fully understands the situation that we're in right now. And the situation that we're in right now is our main shelter on Record Street is full. That's 250 beds that's full. Our temporary overflow shelter, which is no longer temporary, has 150 beds and it's full. Uh, there was 35 people sleeping outside the gates of Record Street the other night, and there was 40 people along the river. Um, it's now taking, it, we've never had this happen before, before winter. These conditions have never happened before winter. So the, the homeless issue is not going away anytime soon. And so it's important that we, as a council and a community, look to creative and quick, uh, and safe, um, options to help house individuals to, so they don't die. Uh, you know, it, it, this really is a matter of life and, um, so I, I think I'd, I'd still give it 90%. Staff is moving forward full charge to find a way to yes, even if we have to build a new box to do it. If it doesn't fit in some perfect code and zoning, we're going to figure it out. And I'm still committed to that 90%. If I can paraphrase your, your response on to somebody on Facebook, they said, if you build it, they will come. And, and you wrote, if we don't build it, they will die. We had... 23, 22, 23 individuals last year die. We don't know exactly because of the elements, but they were considered indigent, according to the Washoe uh, Medical Examiner. Um, is that sort of our prognosis right now? You know, it's it's a really unfortunate thing when when I hear that. First off, I, I do tend to get defensive because I do mm. feel like I'm I'm somewhat of a voice for those that are often voiceless. And it's uh, when we go back to that that mind shift of how people are starting to think differently. When people say those things to me, one, it's completely inaccurate. These are individuals that, you know, there's not a, a big beacon that goes up in the sky that says, Reno is this wonderful homeless community, come to it. I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody aspires to be homeless and live in cramped stacked quarters or, or live along the street. So there's no big, you know, uh, beacon that's drawing people because we're going to build another shelter or provide them a tiny home. So that's that's an inaccurate. Um, and the thing is, if we don't provide them something, they're going to die. Uh, they will die. It is, uh, I think if you went outside last night, uh, took the trash out last night, took me about five minutes, and it was freezing. Imagine doing that all night long. 
and and then trying to get up in the morning and function in any real, you know, productive way. Uh, it just doesn't happen unless you provide some stability, security in the housing uh, arena to help stabilize the very basic life function. I spoke with Sheriff Chuck Allen and a few months ago. This is in regards to the um, the jail situation, and and he said one one thing that he didn't feel was covered very well in the in the um, paper in in regards to the reporting is this is the most sick population he has ever seen come into the the sheriff's uh, jail facility. Um, that mirrors exactly what you said about the number of people that are out in the elements right now. What do you attribute that to and what can possibly be done as far as mental health? I know Nevada doesn't really have a great track record as far as funding mental health efforts. Mental health funding is woefully inadequate. And I would agree with him with that assessment. And anybody that's walked downtown, and I don't say this in a joking way, but I would encourage anybody when they're walking downtown, uh, somebody told me the other day, it's like the zombie apocalypse. Well, if you walk down there and you identify somebody as maybe you can say, okay, they're homeless, really look at them and you will see there is underlying mental health and addiction issues in a huge percentage of those individuals. And uh, he's, he's right. We, we have got to get better funding uh, with regards to our mental health um, programs because it is at the core. It is at the core of homelessness. You know, I was at that uh, mental health summit we had a couple of weeks ago at the Washoe County Chambers, and there was a great turnout for it. And I, I said something that, you know, we don't, we don't have just a homeless problem. We have a mental health and addiction problem, which is at the core of homelessness, uh, mm-hmm. largely. So um, I'm hopeful that uh, just like the opioid addiction issue, that maybe the mental health issue will get uh, uh, light shined on it um, at the federal level and some additional funds will come forward. Um, that's, that's critical. You, it's tough to stabilize somebody when there's just those mental health issues um, underlying all things. Back at the city park, one of the Reno Works members rushed to be interviewed. Frank is his name, and he loves the program. Uh, I got into the program because I worked a lot of temp jobs and stuff like that. It doesn't really do for the long term, so this program will get you a regular job and help you clean up everything, everything from cleaning up your credit report to helping you with housing, everything. It's just incredible. How long have you been a part of it? Uh, this is uh, the, sixth, the beginning of the sixth week. Six weeks in, and everybody's still in our group. It's the first time it's happened. It sounds pretty helpful. It is. It's. I mean, I didn't realize how bad working temp jobs are and stuff, but it's just, you know, a lot of stress doing that. And with this program, it, there's no stress. I mean, they'll help you with everything from making resumes to finding jobs to even getting you there if you need to. You know, it's just unbelievable. And anytime you ask for something, if you have questions or you need something, they're always there for you at any time, literally. So, Would you like to see more of this? Um, I think the program should be a little bit bigger. I mean, uh, I think the program now, we only have nine people in it, and it only maxed out at 12. Um, and so I would love to see more people into it. I think there should at least try to be two crews or so, because this program's phenomenal. And there's, you know, people already asking, you know, when's the next crew? But, you know, because the program can run 10 to 12 weeks. So someone's waiting months to try to get into the program. So it's either you hit it the right time or try to survive until that point. And um, some people are, you know have little families and stuff or starting families and just didn't have the skills to really or no one showed them the skills to 
have a more normal, regular life. So, hey, Pat, how you doing? were you homeless before you came? I was. I was just wearing temp jobs, living in a hotel, which is pretty much being homeless. I mean, you're just day laboring and paying your hotel bill. So, I mean, you had a place to stay, but it's you never save anything. Everything's always going out. You're always eating out. Always, you know, there's always money going out, and it was just, you know, just above slave labor. <laughs> that sounds bad, but it really is. Because a lot of places like Galetti and stuff, you can go get cash jobs, but it's not like there's any kind of any protection. If you get hurt, they don't care. If, you know, you can have guys leave the job afterwards and not pay you. So it's, you know, a lot of stress about working. And this is, you know, we have to work with the parks people, and the parks people are wonderful. They just are so appreciative when we show up. I mean, it's, it's just really wonderful. <laughs> They're really nice to us. And then, you know, our boss... One guy didn't have enough clothes to do the program. Our boss, the next day, went and got him clothes and stuff. I mean, it's anything you need. I mean, you know, a lot of us didn't have the extra money to, you know, be able to come out here and not be able to eat lunch or whatever, so they got us lunch stuff. It was just, it's it's something really incredible. It's good to be appreciated for the work you do. It really is. And for that, they, you know, everything from one-on-ones with, uh, they have a housing specialist, they have a, a lady that does financial, she'll run your credit and help you get into an apartment and stuff. And it's just... You would not believe the amount of time, and they really go into you. I mean, a lot of people that are in the program are pretty important people, if you've seen walking around. And we get to one-on-ones with them. There'll be, like, four of them in the room, and they just all they do is ask you, well, what can we do to make this program better or more successful or, you know, make you achieve more? And it's just really incredible for somebody to actually take time out of their day, which is way more important than mine, I'll be honest, to, you know, ask some questions and see what they can do to make it better. While Reno Works has seen success in finding stable housing and employment, Reno's homeless situation continues to raise alarm. The city's homeless shelter is full. The temporary overflow shelter is also full, and people are camped out on the streets and on the river. Winter is fast approaching. In our next episode, the second to last of season one, we asked numerous people how to solve homelessness. Here is some of what they said. It's called a, a street reporting collective website. So we welcome, you know, any contributions, uh, any photos, any stories, any story ideas, suggestions, tips. We welcome all of that. And uh, we have a sort of a, a whistleblower uh, who goes behind the scenes for us and who takes pictures and videos of conditions at the uh, overflow shelter. And these have then made it to uh, county city meetings. And I don't care if you care, frankly. I don't care how much you care. Your caring doesn't help me. Sympathetic gazes don't help me. If you give me a dollar because you care, that doesn't help me. But if you say you care, and if you want to know what to do about homelessness, then Get rid of all your credit cards, all your money, everything you have, all your friends' phone numbers, all the resources that you've got. Have nothing for one month. And I bet you if all the people who claim they care would actually do that for one month, we won't have a homeless problem anymore. 
When you talk to people who are providing the direct services, the number one thing you hear is housing. It's it's always housing. We're seeing um, massive cost of living increases here in Reno, um, along with that massive rent increases. Um, and it's just becoming unaffordable for people to live. I mean, there are studies that show for every $100 that housing or that rent goes up, on average, I mean, homelessness increases by about 15%. Um, and so... Reno is not really doing anything to stymie these rent increases, so we're just going to see this problem worsen unless we take proactive steps to do something about it. Uh